Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes known as the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. Ephraimites and Shalom. This is your host, Mark Reinbold, and this is the House of Ephraim show today. We do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Hey, welcome back in this show. It's Mark Reinbold. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in, in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here, and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois, out what we call lovingly the Corn Patch. And you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God and I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on, and you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And, again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or, or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material. Not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv, and we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service, and we teach only the prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity, again, that all is. So, again, if you don't already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on, please consider joining up with that 
and you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. That's cradle at jewishprofit.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about, and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call, 618-262-2810, and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Decker. Up this morning, uh, the course that we have uh, been doing on the purpose of temptation, trying desperately to understand why you and I have to go through two kind of hell from time to time, and why God would even permit or want us to go through that. And I hope that uh, through this study, and, and here again, I don't know whether there's seven, eight, or nine tapes involved in this, but I would again today urge you to take those tapes and about every three months sit down and go all the way through them again because my brothers and sisters, as I have taught you by the Word of God, that this testing, that this temptation that comes in our life is designed by God for us to grow up. And that's exactly the way God's designed it. In other words, He lets us or permits us to go through a temptation in order for us to do what? To change something in our lives. Every time that a temptation comes in your life, God has designed it for you to look at that temptation saying, to say, what can I change? What needs to be changed in me so that I can be what? More like Christ. And that's what it's all about. And when you and I begin to look at those temptations such as that, this whole thing will be much easier. It'll, in fact, it'll get to the place where you'll just uh, you'll be able to do like Paul. You can rejoice in all things. And I, I can never understand how Paul could ever rejoice in all things when, in fact, uh, he was going through some of the hell that he was going through. I understand today more than I did yesterday even uh, the comment that he made. And it took me a number of years, as I explained, I think, last week, to come to a place of realizing exactly how God uh, intended had set the whole program up to bring us into that depth into the kingdom. Now, uh, we want to turn this morning one more time into 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter and the 13th verse. Uh, the 10th chapter and the 13th verse of 1 Corinthians. There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, and praise God He is, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. He won't let any temptation come to you that you can't handle, is what that means. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So in other words, there is nothing that's going to come to you in your life that you can't handle. Uh, I've learned to tell people that come to counsel and say, Oh, Brother Deckard, I'm going through two kind of hell. I can't stand it. And I say, Well, praise God. You just need to understand that, that God is, is uh, permitting you to go through this because you're able to handle it. If you couldn't handle it, God wouldn't put it on you. And they'll say, oh, but this is going to take me under. And I said, no, 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 no. It can't take you under because of 1 Corinthians 10, 13. See, how many knows the Word of God is truth? Amen? Say amen. And the Word of God cannot lie. It never has lied, and it never will lie. That it has forever been settled in heaven, and it's the same today as it was the very day that it was spoken or it was put into the book. So we can know that the Word of God is true. So therefore we can know that there's no temptation uh, that's going to overtake us. 
None that's going to take us. And with it, God is going to give us a way every time to escape. Now, the, the, the secret to that is what we've been studying these last weeks is how to escape it. Now, we used, we used uh, for a general purpose the children of Israel as they went into the wilderness and wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years. We used that, and I hope that you were able to learn by understanding all that wandering that they did, all those circles that they went around in. And, of course, they were in a, a physical wilderness. The wilderness that we're talking about in our lives are spiritual wildernesses, all right? And uh, there is a way to come out of those wildernesses, just as we showed how they came out, and the same way that you and I can come out of those spiritual wildernesses that are in our lives. Now, we began to study last week. Um, now, let's see, where was I exactly at? I was somewhere... In, uh, yeah, Second Peter. Let's go to Second Peter 1. Second Peter 1. And we began to talk about last week how to possess the land, how to be possessors of the land in which the Lord God has given to us spiritually. And I guess before we uh, get into that, I need to once again go through the fact that uh, the law for provision is the fact that God gives us a promise which is linked to a principle or a condition followed by a problem or a temptation which will eventually lead into the provision. Now, the way that that works is that, in fact, the same way it will work every time in your life and my life that this book is full of promises. But in order for us to receive those promises, we're going to find out that they're conditional. Now, um, of course, you that have been here every one of these services with me, you're probably getting tired of me hearing, hearing me say that God said, I will do this. If you will do that, and if you don't do that, I won't do this. And that's just the way the whole thing works. God says, I will do that for you if you will do this over here for me. And, and the, whole, the whole book is based upon those types of promises. They're conditional promises. And we, if we will learn to adhere unto the conditional promises and understand that they're just not automatic. Now, you're saying, well, for instance, what do you mean they're just not automatic? Well, uh, if you will turn with me. Now, let's leave the second Peter for a second and go to uh, Mark 11. Mark 11. And that 23rd verse. Now, here, in the last part of it, the very last line in, in, in my uh, uh, Bible says, He shall have whatsoever he saith. Now, I'm in Mark 11:23. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Now, that's a promise by God. That's Jesus himself speaking that unto us. It is a promise by, from God that we'll have whatsoever we say. But now you understand something, that having whatsoever you say just isn't automatically going to happen to you unless you adhere unto the rest of it. And it begins to say in that first part of that 23rd verse, it says, For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. So you understand, you're not going to have whatsoever you saith until you can come to a place of speaking to that problem out of your mouth through faith, not doubt and unbelief. And then you have to understand something that we touched on and have touched on a number of times here in this session. You have to understand, then you come to a place, you also have to believe it in your heart. we got a lot of saints going around saying things out of their mouths, and they don't believe it in their heart. Now, I want you to understand 
the beginning of your faith walk has to start somewhere. So it has to start with the saith, thus saith you out of your mouth. You have got to begin to say it. And then you'll find something that's going to happen miraculously to you. After you have said that for a period of time, then you're going to find out that in your heart. Now, heart here means spirit. In your spirit, then you're going to start believing it in your spirit. When you start believing this Word of God in your spirit, man, that's when things are going to start happening in your lives through the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, this, uh, uh, there's a lot of faith teaching, a lot of good faith teaching, but there's some of that faith teaching you've got to be careful about because we get people so far out in left field over trying to just say, well, if you said it, then it's yours. Well, that's true. That's true. That uh, couldn't be any, uh, any more truth. But the fact of the matter is, we've got to teach people the heart part of all this. You've got to get it into your heart or into your spirit, man. Now, if in fact uh, that's truth, and it obviously is because that's the Word of God. Now, come back over with me in Second Peter into that uh, first chapter. Now, we read here, and I'm going to skip some of this, and now I'm going to go through this again, I guess. That's what the Lord wants me to do. First Peter 1, and in the very first uh, verse, Second Peter, I'm sorry, Second Peter 1. And as it says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained a like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now that's the only way that uh, evidently that, uh, that there's going to be uh, grace and peace multiplied to us uh, through the knowledge of God. What is the knowledge of God? What's well, His Word? It's just, it's just simply His Word. That through the knowledge of God's Word, there will come grace and peace will be multiplied to us. According as His divine power hath given to us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might have be partakers of the divine nature. Now listen through these precious promises, through these great and precious promises, by these you may be partakers of the divine nature. What is the divine nature? Christ Himself. Christ Himself. To be able to come to that place. Now listen to what He's saying. He goes on to say, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Lust is man's, one of man's biggest problems is lust. And I hope that by this time that that you have understood that we're not just talking about lust of, uh, of sexual types of lust. That there are those, but we're talking about the lust of, uh, for money, lust for uh, fine things, uh, this, that, and everything else. People begin to lust after, you know, oh, if I only had a new car, then I'd, I, I would be secure and I'd be safe and I'd be happy and the Lord would love me. You get a new car, you'll find out that's not, that's not peace and happiness. Jesus Christ is peace and happiness. All right? And that's the reason today in today's world, if we're not real careful, uh, some of this message that, that's being taught, we'll get ourselves out in the way out in left field, trying to begin to latch ourselves onto some material things and believing that that's going to bring some supernatural things, and that's not the way that it works at all. The Lord God is a supernatural God. He's spirit. And uh, in order to deal with Him, as I keep trying to teach you, you've got to learn to deal with Him through your spirit. God does not lead you through your soulish realm. He leads you by your spirit. And that's the way you deal with God, spirit to spirit, not your soul to his spirit. Now, for those of you who are here with me don't understand that, your soul uh, within that realm, you're made up of a spirit, a soul, and a body. Okay? 
You, the body you can see, the soul you can't see, because in the soulish realm is your mind, your intellect, your five senses, uh, that type of a thing. Uh, and, and that's what controls, because of what Adam pulled in the Garden of Eden, the soulish realm dominates the spirit and the body. Now, at the time of being born again, does not bring the spirit man over the top of the soulish realm and put it in the command. That doesn't automatically just happen. Uh, that happens uh, through a process of renewing of the mind, the Bible teaches us, by the Word of God. And th in time, you can bring the spirit man where it will once again dominate, as it did in the very beginning, uh, the soulish realm and the body. And that's what God wants to happen in our lives. In fact, in order to work into the supernatural world, it has to happen. And that's what, again, so many people have been let down over because they have gone to church, they have prayed, they have fasted, they have poured oil on themselves, on other people, they have thought they have heard from God. In some cases, they did hear from God. They have prophesied and, and they, have given, uh, they have given tongues, interpretation of tongues. But yet their lives just kept on this dead-end course. Right against us, in fact, a block wall, this is over here, and, and it just stayed on that same course. And the reason it stayed on that same course was because there was never the total uh, renewing of the mind by the Word of God that the Word would get into the heart, into the spirit, so that the spirit man, the spirit man will dominate. It has to be that way. It has to be. It doesn't, well, I said it has to be that. It has to be that way if, in fact, you want to actually work into the supernatural realm. You never will find anyone that you ever talk to that uh, operates into the supernatural realm doing such uh, through the soulish realm. You'll never speak to them. And again, that's the reason we've got such a mess in the church world because we've got so many people trying to convince themselves that they're dealing with God and it's their soulish realm that's dealing with their own minds is what ends up being most of the problem. But anyway, as Peter goes on here to say, and besides this in the fifth verse, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience. I love that one. And to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity, which is love. Now, uh, we understand here that there's nine areas, as we talked last week, and I want to go back briefly through the first part of these that we hit, and then we'll go on to the ones that we didn't. There's nine areas here that Peter lists that must be cultivated. Now, notice these are given to you one by one. They're not just, they're not just given to you just, here they all are. Now, notice, notice how it started back up here in the fifth verse. And besides this, giving all diligence, giving all the, add to your faith virtue. The first thing he said was diligence, all right? Now, we're to build upon foundation upon foundation, upon foundation, upon foundation, which is the Word of God. That's the, that, that's the way that we're to build. And if we keep building upon the Word, that foundation that we're laying with the Word of God will be strong because Jesus Christ will be the head cornerstone. Without Him being the head cornerstone, you can be full of knowledge of the Word of God. I know people that are full of, of, of head knowledge. Now, I'm going to talk about head knowledge now. Knowledge up here in their noggin about God's Word. But Jesus Christ, they have never made him the head cornerstone. Oh, he participates, and they may act there, say that he is, but if he is the head cornerstone, that foundation that you're laying will be strong. 
It'll be so strong that, my brothers and sisters, it will not be built upon sand and the first big wind and the big first storm comes, blow away the foundation and the house and everything else. If that foundation is set and set deep and set upon the rock which is Christ and Him being the head cornerstone, them storms will come. How many understand that, <laughs> that storms are going to come? Amen? There's no way of getting around that. There's no way of getting around People say, well, well, Brother Deckard, how do you handle those things? I said, well, it's just kind of like this. When you around long enough to understand that this thing with temptation is going to take place, it's going to take place in every one of our lives. You can stay in the same place of temptation, and you can be tempted with the same thing, and, and stay tempted with the same thing for the rest of your days until Jesus Christ comes, if that's what you want, okay? Because the Lord God isn't going to strong-arm you out of that temptation. Again, most of us pray, oh, God, deliver us from this temptation. And I'm, I'm just as guilty as anybody in this room from ever praying, I don't want to go through that temptation, God. Deliver me from this temptation. But see, I didn't understand that God was trying to teach me that there was something in my life that desperately needed to change for the reason the temptation was there. Well, that's backward thinking in it to the world. That's backward thinking to the world, isn't it? The world doesn't think that way. You go through the less hell as you can go through, the better off you are. Amen. Praise God. That must be under Thomas 9, 9 somewhere. Huh? It must be because it's not in the Bible. And when you begin to understand the very nature of God and, and, and how God operates, then you begin to understand that uh, this world out here, and unfortunately, my brothers and sisters, some of the world's got into the church. And some, most of the church doesn't teach. Uh, uh, to any kind of depth of understanding why we go through these kind of hell. Usually you go to the pastor and he say, oh, I understand, oh, let's pray about this. And, and, and I never did go to the pastor and, and sit down to him and say, well, God's trying to say, change something in you. See, God is trying to change something in you. I, and finally I understood that all this was going on in my life. And, and see, it would get worse and then it would get better. Come on, am I talking to anybody this morning? You know, and about time I'd pray about it and take this temptation from me in two weeks and it'd get better. And I'd say, oh, God, thank you for taking the temptation from me. Huh? Well, that's called ignorance in the Word of God. Stupidity for me would be a better word. But the fact of the matter, it'd get better. A month later, here it would come back. I'd say, oh, God, I thought you delivered me from that. I thought you delivered me out of that temptation. There was... I keep saying the names and the faces can change. But that temptation is going to stay the same. It's going to stay the same. If you've got a problem with money, if you've got a trouble, trouble with sexual things, if you've got troubles with, with material things, they're going to be there. They're going to stay there until what? Until you understand that God is trying to change you to bring you out of that wilderness area and set you in a place of going on with Him. Oh, there's going to be more wilderness areas. Don't misunderstand me. But as I said, people come in and say, well, how do you handle those things? Well, you just simply handle them by understanding. When they come, the first thing to do is to get on your face before God and say, God, what do you want to change? And believe you me, when you get praying prayers like that, He's going to show you. Some little sister one time come to me and said, you know, Brother Deckard, I don't know that I've ever heard God ever say anything to me. She said, not in the way that people like you talk anyway. And I said, well, you're, He does, you're just not listening. I said, you're, you're listening with the wrong ear. You're trying to listen with this ear, see. You've got to listen with a spiritual ear, but again, you can't listen with a spiritual ear if you don't uh, ever bring that spiritual ear into a place of being tuned to hear. But I, uh, she said to me, she said, but I'm going to tell you something. She said, um, I heard you teach on the purpose of temptation, 
And she said, after you got done, she said, I made my mind up that I was going to go home and, and just, she said, I'd had this thing in my life I'd gone through. She said, for 25 years it's been going on. And said, I went home and I prayed and I said, God, what do you want to change in my life? This temptation's here, brother. I heard, I heard the preacher teach it and I believe that what he's teaching was scriptural. Now what is it? And, and, and she said, all of a sudden, she said, I heard the voice of God. I said, well, God broke through that, uh, through that uh, barrier and, and spoke to you and you heard with your spiritual ear, honey. She said, I know what it is now. And she said, God, God said, told me, says, this is what I want changed. This is what I want changed in you. She said, you know what I thought needed to be changed? I thought my husband that would have been a drunk for 25 years needed to be changed. He'd come in every night drunk. I'd take the Bible and I'd take it and literally beat him over the head with it and said, you're going to hell, you heathen! And she said, I would just stand there and I'd just keep calling him a heathen and beating on him and beating on him and beating on him. And you know what the Lord told me, Brother Decker? I said, i got a pretty good idea, but I said, I'd just soon hear you tell me. She said, the Lord told me to love him. To love him like I love the Lord. And she said, you want to know something, Brother Decker? My husband never would step foot in the church for 25 years. Was a total drunk. She said, Brother Deckard, six months after I changed, he got saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, delivered from alcoholism, and has never missed a meeting in church yet. Because something in her life had to be changed. How many's ever had that happen? Bless God, we all have. I've told a story about getting to church with an elder. And that elder, bless God, everything he did was wrong. I mean, scripturally, it was all wrong. See, of course, I was judging him, and that was wrong, too. But the fact of the matter was, come to find out when I finally come across a portion of this, and God teach, begin to teach me this in sections. It just always seemed that, and, and He'll do that with all of us, as we're trying to grow, there was a certain area I needed part of this, so He'd teach me a part of it. So I began to find out the reason this elder was the way he was, was to change me. I look at that elder and I go, oh, dear God in heaven, how could that be? I said, look at what all's wrong with him and you're wanting to change me. I said, God, that's not fair, unfair, unfair, unfair. He said, well, this whole thing isn't set up. This whole thing isn't set up for you to be concerned about him. You're to be concerned about you. See, now that's, again, a little contrary to what the world teaches. Huh? The world teaches us to point a finger at everybody and judge everything and call everything the way it is, the way it should be, and the way the world wants to see it. But when we get trying to operate in the Word of God, what happens is we try to bring some of these worldly teachings into the church and try to apply them into the supernatural things of God, and they just won't work. They just absolutely won't work. So I've been able today to, to, to fully understand that every time temptation comes, all I do is get before God and find out what God's wanting to change in my life. What's God want me want to change with me? And my brothers and sisters, when you can get your, your head rethinking, where you can begin to rethink, rethink what you once were thinking and come up with the fact that, hey, God is trying to change me and start a, instead of trying to change somebody else or a situation, you'll find out that whole thing will end. It will end and it'll end just that quick. As soon as you what? As soon as you fulfill, as soon as you fulfill the condition. As soon as you fulfill the condition, you're going to have that promise from God. Well, um, uh, diligence, and I'm going to give you. I'm going to start giving back down through this, and I'll go rather quickly because I knew we know we given the first two or three or four of them. Uh, diligence simply means be persistent, stick to it, work at it, 
And remember, it, do, it isn't our own work, but rather persistence in clinging to Christ who works in us. Use your diligence to exercise the next thing, which is faith. Of course, uh, there's all kind of... Hebrews 11.1 1 is the best explanation, I guess, it, for faith. It's now faith. It's the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And that's what faith is. Now, now you have to employ every effort to exercise that. You have to employ every effort to exercise that kind of faith at Hebrews 11.1. 1. And uh, faith exercised will develop virtue, a commodity given by God to people that can evidently bring it into that, you know, bring it. It says, add to your faith virtue. Add to your faith virtue. Well, virtue means doing it right, not taking any shortcuts. Huh? Uh, virtue is excellence, truth, goodness, uprightness, and Christian energy practiced and developed, it will lead to knowledge. Now, you know, the interesting thing about this, if you'll study this, the interesting thing about this is that not only Peter, but you can look in Paul's life, uh, follow the same patterns in this. Now, it, it, and yours will too, as a matter of fact. It takes virtue. You never find somebody, somebody that has knowledge of God's Word working in them that's not a virtuous person. You, you just don't. I, I, I used to, when God laid this all out, see, when God was teaching me this so I could try to put it in my life and begin to use it in my life, I began to look around at the people in the church I was in and the ministry I was around, and I began to, to look in the Word of God. And I began to find something out. If there was no virtue in the saint, huh, there wasn't any knowledge there either. There wasn't any knowledge. Because I'm going to tell you, with, with virtue, there isn't no short. You don't take no shortcuts. You, you, you bring yourself to a place of, of disciplining yourself where you will fast, you will pray, you will seek God, you will seek the face of God, you'll put God first, and not second, third, fourth, or last. And those people that have knowledge of God all had virtue. And the ones that claimed to have knowledge, you could see that there was no virtue working in their lives. There wasn't any. Now, the next one, uh, which is knowledge, and I think that's where we left off, Knowledge, to learn to know God better and discover what He wants you to do. Knowledge will teach you, okay? It will teach you. You learn to know God better, and then you'll discover what He wants you to do. Seek out His will for you. Study your Bible. Simply grow up, okay? In practicing what you know about God's ways and wants from you, well, of course, then that's going to develop the next one, which is temperance which is self-control. I know a lot of saints that claim spirituality that have no self-control whatsoever, no temperance in their life. The temperance, the temperance comes. And, and I'm going to tell you something. The self-control, as far as this preacher is concerned, uh, concern, is, the, is the toughie. Now, because that's an area where I have had all kind of problems uh, in growing up in Christ was, was self-control. I grew up. Now, I said this morning when Dave come in and hugged his neck, been a former boilermaker, I grew up where it was best to plant one right on somebody's lip than to, than to, than to try to sit down and talk about who was right or wrong. Uh, I grew up, uh, uh, the, the, fittest, the fittest was right, the one that got the, the block knocked off was wrong, and that's just the way I grew up. So uh, then all of a sudden when I came to Christ, uh, see, I thought that you could kind of use that, uh, in, you know, in the whole scheme. Uh, what I saw really behind the pulpits was a bunch of um, sissified men and women 
uh, I guess you ought to call them women sissies, but, but uh, I just stay with the men, okay? Uh, I, I saw kind of the, fa- the fact that I didn't see Moses. See, I didn't see Moses being some little weakling uh, preacher saying, oh, please, pass the butter. I saw him saying, pass the butter. I'm going to come down there, you know, and disconnect your, your eye tooth from your ear bone. That's what I saw Moses as being. I saw him as being a man. Uh, but you see, I saw him being uh, more man than than what he really was in my eyes, see. In fact, I was teaching over in Illinois Wednesday night, Moses was the meekest man on the face of this earth. Old tough Moses, the poor law, what he said. Right in the Bible it tells that. Very few people realize that. I didn't realize it. God began to teach that to me. I didn't See, I thought that the way it was, everybody spoke in other tongues. If you didn't, whip one out here in the parking lot, and I'd prove it to you right quick. Huh? Yeah, you, that's about as bad as the old two old brothers that I knew, the one carried the gun, okay, that I told about last week. See, in my own way, I had a real problem with this thing, and, and innocently so. See, I was ignorant to the Word of God. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm not responsible for the Word, but I was ignorant to the Word. I didn't understand the Word of God when it was pertained um, into those areas. I hadn't, I hadn't been taught that. And yet there again, we get to thinking that because we're... Christians filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues, we know everything automatically, amen? And I thought I did. You know, I'd already passed the, the, the initial uh, six months of uh, and knowing everything and telling everybody what I knew, which wasn't very much, but I thought it was. And uh, then it got down to trying to grow a little bit in the Word of God, and then that's when I began to face a lot of the problems. And this thing with self-control was one of them. Uh, have you ever promised you won't get mad and, and uh, over anything again? Have you ever done that? I say, oh, now, I'll never get mad over that again. Now, I'm, I'll straighten this. Mind. Come on, now, some of you, now, there's somebody in this room, uh, walk there. Uh, now, I'll never get mad over that again. And, boy, let me tell you what. What did I just say about these things coming around in circles, huh? Huh? Six weeks ago by, and I said, She said, wait a minute, Brother Deckard. I thought you said you never again. I said, that was last week. That don't count this week. Thank God he's a merciful God. Amen. Thank God he's a merciful God. I'm telling you, if he wasn't, I, I used to say if he wasn't, he got us all the lightning years ago. Amen? But you see, that's what it takes. That, that's what this whole walk with Jesus is about. It's a, everybody gets to thinking, well, three strikes and you're out. Honey, three strikes, you're just getting started in this game with God. God loves us and he's merciful and he's graceful, full of grace and glory. And, and, and he's going to lift you up out of every problem you got if you let him. The thing that God's wanting to do is what? He's wanting to change us. So we can be Christ-like, just like Him. Now, it goes on again and says, what causes us to lose control? Huh? What causes you to lose control? Now, see, I had a hard time suffer, uh, suffering through all this. And because I, I could always see the... How many ever watched this show? Uh, uh, let's see, what was it called? Happy Days. It was on television years ago. And it had this guy on there called Fonzie. And, and, and Fonzie could never say he was wrong. He he'd say, well, 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 I'm a, but he can never get the word wrong. I was wrong out of his mouth. Well, see, I was always that way too. I I don't know that I hardly ever apologized to anybody for anything up to the time I got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. I just didn't believe in it. If I was right, I was right, and if I wasn't right, well, I always thought it was right anyway. See, somehow I tried to make it right. Well, so this thing went on, and, and what it was, it was our own stubborn self-will. Stubborn self-will is, is, is what makes you feel that way. It's self-will. It's self-will. God can't use self-willed people. 
that's got their opinion about everything and everybody and every situation. God can't use people like that. And guess what? You're looking at what used to be one of the most self-willed, one person that will walk on the face of this earth. Thinking, oh, God's going to use me for this and God's going to use me for that. Went on for about a year. Finally, the Lord and, and I sat down and had a long talk. Actually, He sat me down and we had a long talk. He did all the talking and I did all the listening. And when we got done, I wasn't very happy. In fact, I thought the devil was talking to me. In fact, I said, I rebuke you, Satan. I said, the God I know is a God of love. See, I was into this thing, God loves you. You can do anything you want to do because God loves you. And I like that concept of it. Huh? Because at that point in time, I was around a bunch of saints that believed in going out and drinking all the beer you want to drink on Saturday night. Just be sure you showed up with your ties on Sunday morning. And I liked that part of church. I thought, now this is, this is for me. You know, I was a reform and, uh, reform and, and I hadn't already, altogether reformed from alcoholism. And uh, I thought, you know, beer every now and then won't hurt anything. And I think, you know, and, and boy, these people had my whole, I mean, this whole, they had my number. I thought, this is great. Boy, see, that wasn't right either. I just come out of a bunch down there that uh, was so strict that you couldn't hardly sneeze without thinking you sinned. And, and I found out that wasn't all right. And that's why I keep saying there's a balance to this thing. There's a, to, there's a true balance that'll work in this thing, but it won't work through trying to come out here and hallucinate that you're growing up in the Word of God and everything's coming up roses, and it's not. The first thing that has to happen in every life is to get down to the place where me and the Lord got that evening when He set me down and began to say to me this. He said, if you don't get rid of that self-willed spirit... And, and, and get rid of it. Because he said, it's, it, it's stubbornness. He said, if you don't get rid of it, he said, you'll never fulfill what I've got in your life. He said, you'll never fulfill it. And see, I was under, I was under the idea that you would fulfill whatever it was that God had called you to do, irregardless of what you got into. Now, now folks, I believe that. That may sound naive. Uh, today, from this standpoint, it sounds stupid. But that's the way I believed. I just thought that I knew I'd been in so many meetings and people had drawn me out of big crowds and prophesied over me about my ministry and what God had called me to do. But see, I believed all that finally. It took me about six months to finally believe it, but I finally believed it. I couldn't understand why God had wanted somebody like me, you know, but, but, but He had it all arranged. And, and so I finally believed it. And then I just thought all I got to do is wander around from church to church and do this and do that until God says, Bingo! Today is your day. You won the lottery. Get behind the pulpit and go to preaching with the power of the Holy Ghost. And guess what? That wasn't going to happen. And he was kind enough to tell me that. And he told me, he said, I can't use you the way you are. He said, oh, what am I going to use you? He said, you don't even make a good elder. I was an elder in a church. He said, you're not even a good elder. He said, how can I ever use you in, a, in the fivefold ministry? He said, just, just explain to me where I could use you. I said, well, I'll tell you one place you like, you could use me laying on the hands, Lord. I said, I'm going to tell you, you've used me before. He said, yeah, I have. But he said, I'm going to tell you something. How many knows that God will... You know, I always accuse God of just kind of being like putting a carrot in front of a donkey on a long stick and a string. That donkey just keeps chasing after that carrot. You don't ever quite get there. You just keep chasing after it. I said, God, that's kind of the way this gets to be with you somehow. I said, I said, he said, well, he said, I let things. How many knows in the very beginning, when you were born again filled with the Holy Ghost, that you saw some miraculous things happen. Raise your hand. In a very right smack dab. And then they, they took a downhill slide, didn't they? Well, isn't that a coincidence? It happened in all of his lives. 
Yeah, I mean, it started out where kind of, me and Moses, baby, me and Elijah, we're doing it, honey. I mean, this is it. Huh? And about six months later, I'm walking around going, God, are you still around? Yo, God, where are you at? Huh? Thinking he went down to Mississippi for the weekend or something? Yeah, yeah, we've all been there. Yeah, he said, well, he said, I've got to, I want you to know what a great God I am. He said, I want every person to realize the potential that I have working through them. See, most of us don't even know that. Most of us don't have any idea that, that, that somehow that's the way God operates. And then it comes down to what? When that's all gone, when the icing's off the cake between you and the Lord, okay? When that's all gone, then you've got to get down here and live with the rest of us. And ain't that a lot of fun? Huh? With all the rock chucking and, and all the things that takes place being an everyday Christian. Then you've got to do make some decisions. And the decisions that we have to make is, are we going to grow up in the Word of God, or are we just going to stay out here and keep uh, uh, thinking that we have already got it all and there isn't anything else to get? Well, in my case, I got tired of, uh, of fantasizing. I've never been much of a fantasizer anyway all my life. I, I'm, I'm a realist. I, I mean, if it either is or didn't. You gave me a lot of problem uh, trying to work into the spirit because of the fact that you're not, you can't do that with that, okay? But I was never one to be too moved by, by, by my feelings. And uh, uh, so I had to be honest. I was around friends, and my friends was, oh, God is this and God is that and God is this, and we'd get together and have those little spiritual parties. You know which ones I mean, don't you? Well, we kind of... Oh, I hear God, brother, I hear God telling me to tell you. One of them parties. You know what I mean? There's nobody there smart enough to know whether it was really God or not, but if it sounds good, amen, brother, I'll take it, all right? And so we get together and have one of those parties. So finally one night, I mean, things, I mean, things, I'm right after the Lord spoke to me, I went to one of these get-togethers, and I was there. I sat there, and I listened to that a little bit, and I looked around that room, and every one of those brothers and sisters was in the same boat I was in that was sinking. Everyone spiritually, it was going, it was going, to, it was just going to the bottom. And I sat there and I listened to that, and the same thing went on that went on the, the week before. And I sat there and I listened to that a little bit. And finally, this sister come up and said, "Oh, brother Deckard, I've got a word from God for you." And I said, "Just before you give that word of God uh, that you've got for me, I said, sister, sit down. I said, I've got something I want to say to everybody in this room." I said, "Me and the Lord had a little talk last night. Actually, He did the talking and I did the listening." And I said, I want to know something. We've been meeting like this, I think, two or three months. It's in the wintertime. You know, that's a good time to go to church because you can't get outside and have barbecues and fish and swim. Hmm? So it's good to have those get-togethers in the wintertime. So we'd have them in the wintertime so we'd get everybody together. So, yeah, I, and I said, but I'm going to tell you something, my brothers and sisters. All this spirituality we're going through here in this room, I said, it, something dawned on me while I'm sitting here. Every one of your lives, including this old boy that's doing the talking right now, haven't changed one iota when it comes to Jesus Christ. And, and, and this one says, well, mine, I said, well, then, honey, if yours has changed so much, then, then, then how come every, every time we get together, we're still having to pray about you running all this money up on hubby's charge card? I said, if it's all changing, why are we all still the same mess we were a year ago? 
Why are we? I said, we go to church, we jump up and down. Oh, we was in church where everybody danced every service. You, I mean, it was just automatic, just as automatic to have a dance service as it was uh, to go to church. When you come in, you started, I mean, the band, the band started playing, you started dancing, and everybody got in the aisles and danced. I mean, it was just a normal thing. It just happened. And I said, but we're not changing. I said, my life's as big a mess or bigger mess now than it was when I started. And, uh, and so we sat there and we talked about it. And finally, one of the other brothers says, well, he said, honestly, Brother Deckard, he said, I've got to agree with you. He said, you know, he said, I think we're, just, we're playing a game with this thing. He said, do you feel like, he said, I get to feel like we, I come over here once a week and we're just having a big game. We're just having a big party. And we're just all acting out parts. We're acting out. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, let me say it, let me say it. I said, we're acting out what we want to be in Jesus. And there's nobody in this room really is that. And about that time, everybody, including me, turned red. And one sister stood up and she said, well, she said, I got something to say. She said, you know, I don't even know that it's scriptural to be doing what we're doing without somebody here that, that can judge it. I didn't even know that was in the Bible at that time. Didn't want to know. Why? Because then we'd have to have somebody there more spiritual than all of us that weren't. We wouldn't like that because then we couldn't have got by with what we were doing. Amen? Amen? I didn't know. I said, I said is that in the Bible? She said, yeah, it is. After it was over, I found out where it was at. Sure enough, in the Bible. It was right there. So we begin, we begin to begin. You ever have to begin to begin? Well, we did. We had, we, had, we had to start somewhere. So we decided to start over here in, in, in Second Peter. And we, we decided that we would begin to grow first things first in diligence. Diligence has a lot more to say about than I gave. It means your diligence in coming to church, your diligence in serving God, your diligence towards your job, your diligence towards your family, your diligence towards your friends. And it goes on, it goes on, it goes on, it goes on, it goes on. You can't get through diligence in one, in one day. See, when I first got a hold of this, I said, well, Lord, now I did, uh, see, I ran down through these things right quick. I said, well, Lord, now really and truly, diligence and faith and, and virtue and, 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 you know, I'm probably up to knowledge. See, and the Lord, after he got showing me how lousy my diligence was, I told them at the meeting that I thought that I had to start at, at diligence. And they all listened to me for a little while, and, and most of them decided they'd start at diligence too. Now, we did have one sister there that did tell us that she was already to the last one love, and uh, she never came back because she didn't, have, didn't want to, you know, go through all this because she had already, and she may have. Now, I'm not trying to judge that in any way, but I'm here to tell you the Lord said, get rid of that, that stubborn self-will, huh? Now, we always get mad when our own will is oppressed. Do you ever notice that? You always get mad when your own will is oppressed. Now, what I mean by that is, if, if you think that the only automobile on the road today is a Ford, okay? Hmm? And up comes a brother or sister filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues, driving a Chevrolet. Hmm? And they get out and say, this is the best car that God has ever put on the road. There's something on the inside of you just... <laughs> huh? What is that? What is... Well, honey, <laughs> that's, your, that's, your, that's your self-will. Actually, that's your spirit trying to jump right out of your body. But you see, when you get mad, 
and your will gets oppressed over somebody coming against something that you believe to be truth and them trying to tell you it's not. That's the reason the Lord God says that He uses a broken and a contrite spirit. See, broken and contrite spirit Christians are Christians that understand that they may not know everything about everything that's best for best. That's what that really amounts to. Most of us know that we know what's best. Anybody knows a Ford's better than a Chevrolet, see? Or anybody knows a Chevy's better than a Ford, and then somebody comes up, well, a Volvo beat them ball. Huh? We all have an opinion, and that's terrible that we do, and why God gave us opinions, I'll never know. I kept saying, I said, God, you know, this whole thing is your fault. It's all your fault. I said, if you had not given us opinions or choice, this thing would have never happened. I said, if you would have said, now look, Adam. I said, now listen up closely. You can eat of all the trees, but the one in the midst of the garden, hmm, you ain't eating of that one. You're not going to eat of it. You will not eat of it. Ever. Thus saith the mouth of God. I said, that ended the whole thing. But I said, no, what'd you do? You told him he shouldn't eat of it, and if he did, he'd die. And old Adam decided that, you know, through what Eve uh, listened to that, uh, that, 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 that serpent, decided to partake of it, and then he partook of it. And I said, now look where we're at now. Now we're still out here partaking of that tree in the midst of the garden. Still, in our own way, we're still doing it. We're still trying to do what? We're still trying to be as God in some way uh, through, uh, through what we think as our opinion. Uh, actually, when you begin to study in the book of Isaiah, along about in that 56th chapter, you begin to find out how little you really know in comparison to what God knows. God keeps saying, He said, My ways are above your ways, my thoughts are above your thoughts. Now, let's face it, folks. We couldn't be as smart as God if we even wanted to be. We're not capable of being the smartest God. The only thing that we're capable of being is children of God, which He has uh, liberally given us that, uh, that position if we want it. If we can take it. Now, uh, we obviously can gain ground in our walk with Jesus by learning to adhere to the Word of God. But you can't adhere to the Word of God if you've never been taught it. If you've been in a church where all you've been being taught is the nine gifts of the Spirit and, and this and that and a few other things, when it comes down to the everyday living. See, when I became a minister, I said, see, I wanted to be a great silver-tongued orator of God's Word. Yes, brothers and sisters. Well, see, I'm just not made that way, number one, right? So God just can't, you know, God's not going to take me out of who I am, the personality that I have, and put me somewhere over here to something that I won't ever be. Now, He's not going to do that. Well, I didn't know that. So I, I had picked out a couple on television that I liked, and I said, Now, God, I want to be a cross between brother such and such and brother so and so, uh, and that will make me, a, you know. And, and, uh, and the Lord said to me, He spoke to me, and He said, He said, I'm going to tell you something. He said, I've called you through the demonstration of my power, number one. He said, you'll never be known as any great uh, a silver orator of my word. He said, you don't might as well not worry about that. But he said, what you can be known as, as somebody that has been able to teach people how to live every day according to my word. He said, you'll never get into teaching all the great uh, uh, theology about the, uh, about the temple and about the candlesticks and about the Hebrew for this and the Hebrew for that. He said, you'll never get into that. He said, you'll study it yourself, but you'll never get into it and teaching it in, in a church. He said, you're going to teach people how to live every day by my word. And I thought, boy, that's a blase calling. 
I thought, now, Lord, that's really dull. You know, I mean, there's people who's got... To, I mean, there's some places I've gone and sat there and some things that, hey, I mean, I've come out of there. My mind was just doing flip-flops going, boy, this is, this is really, really, really something. And it was. Now, how did that do with me getting through the hell that was in my life? Zero, okay? But it was good for me to hear, and I did learn something through it about the history. And it's important for you to know the history of the Bible. You need to study that. And people come to me, and I said, well, the best thing I can tell you to do is to study that on your own time. You won't get a lot of history in a church like this. You'll get a whole bunch of word, but you won't get a lot of history. Uh, we want you to learn the history, and you should. And maybe we'll get some people in this church that will be able to bring some history, uh, some teaching of the history of the Bible uh, in, in Bible studies in this church at some time or other. I don't know. But the fact of the matter, God said, I've called you to teach them how to live every day. And, and through this stuff that I'm teaching here, I can understand now through the years of what God was truly telling me, what He truly was trying to uh, get me to understand. And one of the things that had to come out of my life was a stubbornness, okay? Now, uh, uh, anytime your opinion's questioned, like I said, you're going you're gonna to feel this thing come up inside of you, right? This self-will. Uh, giant-sized egos, huh? Uh, uh, that's, uh, that's something that has to go. God, uh, God can't use that. I know not long ago I had a young preacher... Uh, tell me, he says, boy, you're competitive. He said, I want to be competitive. He said, I'm a competitive person. And he says, you're just as competitive as I am. And I stopped and I turned around. He was walking behind me. And I looked at him and I said, son, you've got a lot to learn. I said, yeah, I used to be a competitor. I used to want to compete against every preacher. Uh, every preacher I, I was around, I was going to compete against this church and compete against that church. And then guess what I finally, uh, finally found out? I was competing against myself. I was finally, I said, it took me about two years when I started in the ministry to find out that God doesn't have competitors. God's got preachers. He, God has got anointed men and women that He has anointed to do different operations and different things in and to the body of Christ, His body. And I'm just part of that. I'm by no means all of it. There's no man or woman that is. There's no man or woman is any bigger part of it than anybody else. Some of it looks to be because we do what? We get looking through our natural eye at the size of that ministry and how much, uh, much money they spend on television or radio. And that's got nothing to do with making them any more in the eyes of God than the preacher that's, that's down there that's uh, in his living room with three people that's preaching to them every week. It's got nothing to do with it. But yet we have an opinion about that, right? And our egos get out of hand. Our self-will uh, be controlled when we put aside our own desires. And you can put this aside your own desires, die to our own ego, and let Jesus control us instead of us trying to control Him. See, we're, we're to let the Holy Spirit uh, lead us, to guide us. Most of us are trying to drag Him along. Hmm? We're going over here now, Holy Spirit. Come on, we're going over here. I know this is the will of God for me to... Come on, Holy Spirit. Instead of letting Him guide us to where... And that's where most of us get ourselves in a real mind. We're doing the leading. No, you're to do the following. Okay? We're to be the followers. We're not to be the leaders. And it's important for us to learn that. Now, uh, we also need to know when our self is controlled by Him, by Christ, through His Word... Then we have learned the real meaning of the word. The real meaning of the word. When this happens, you will have developed patience. It will already develop. You know, you get around so many people. Uh, I get around people all the time getting the heel, get heel line and say, Oh, Brother Deckard, pray for me for patience. 
No, you don't want to be prayed for for patience. You just get to thinking you do, honey. You don't. You don't know. That's a, that's one of the last things you want to pray uh, pray for. That that God just. Oh dear God in heaven. One time I stopped in the heel line and I told his sister. I said, "Now, honey, I said I know you want patience, but I said, and it just happened. And, and right before I prayed for her, there was a a, a, a little uh, a deaf uh, girl that had never spoken, that was next to this next to this sister." And the Lord God opened up her ears and loosed her tongue. And the first thing she said was, Jesus. And the second thing she said was, Jesus, I love you. And, of course, when those things happen, the, the roof kind of raises off of the sanctuary spiritually. And I, I, I looked at that sister and I said, now, Honey, I said, you saw what happened, what the Lord did for this little girl that couldn't hear or speak. She said, Yes, I did, Brother Deckard. I said, Well, then you have to understand something. If I pray that God give you patience then you're going to have to earn that patience. It's not going to just be something. See, most of us just get the thing, and it's a freebie. Patience, ding, there it is. I'm a patient person. Here I am. Here I am. Huh? Call me Mr. Pa- patience, uh, or Mrs. Patience, or Miss Patience, or what. But you see, it doesn't work that way. If, in fact, it happens like that, and you get under a strong enough anointing that can cause things to happen, then guess what? You're going to wear that. And the next day or two, or the next week or so, you're probably, and I, I'm not going to say every case, but most of the times that I've prayed for people with patience, they end up calling me and saying, Brother Deckard, can I renege on this somehow? Huh? Because it just gets out of hand. Because they, everything, that why? You're going to be, honey, number one, the devil, the thief, cometh not but to steal, to kill, and destroy. Huh? And every time you get something from God, the devil's going to come and take it from you. Now, if you'll study closely in that fourth chapter of Mark, you'll find out something about you keeping what you get from God. The only way that you can keep what you get from God is if it be rooted, if it be rooted and grounded into your heart or your spirit, which means spirit, the heart of man, spirit of man. If it's not rooted and grounded into your spirit, if you'll look closely and you'll study it, you'll find out the ones that lost it were what? Ones that heard it and were joyful about hearing it, huh? And then immediately the devil come and taketh away that which was sown. See? Yeah, that, yeah, well, you understand, getting something and keeping something, I keep saying from God's all.